recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 379. My name is Eric Nielsen, and with me today, I have my co-host, Corey Romero. Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Eric. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. The sun is back out in California. We're drying out. No more mudslides, landslides, or anything else slides. Uh, reservoirs are full. We get to take long showers. Uh, we're all really happy here uh, in California. So to everybody around the world, welcome to the show, and we'll get started. So on the show today, before we get to it, we'll do the news first, but on the show we have VMware Security and Strategy with Tom Korn. Tom Korn is a Senior Vice President uh, of the security products at VMware. He was recently at the RSA conference. He had a session there. So we'll talk to him. I know he's in the room with us. So Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, but before we get to Tom, we'll do a little bit of the news just to see what's happening out, out in the world before we get started. Uh, first off, we have uh, Julia Klaus in the room with us as well. She started on, on the social media team. So Julia, welcome to the room. Thank you. I can't wait to be managing the advocacy platform. Great, great. Um, so we do. We we we. If you if you are on advocacy.vmware.com, getting your social feed, um, all of the experts are on it. We have about four thousand people on it. Julia is going to be running that platform. She's taking over from the famous Tommy Berry, who's also in the room. Uh, so we're very excited about having Julie on board. So thanks for being in the room now. She starts with us in Palo Alto, um, and she will be taking over the advocacy program. So if you're not on advocacy and you would like to get VMware social feeds, uh, you can reach out to Tommy or Julia, uh, and they will hook you up, get you on that platform, get you on that feed. It gives about 300 channels of blessed. VMware social content that you can send out as yourself as opposed to somebody else. So kind of cool. Julia, thanks for being here in the room with us, and welcome to VMware. Um, do we have any other news? Corey, I know you're working on VExpert Outbound. You, you're still crunching things. What are you working on? So VExpert, so I've, I've got a, a, a I'm going to do a, a soft announcement here for the VExpert application portal that we're building. So um, Martin Cement and myself are building a, a vExpert portal. We should have a demo ready for some of the a handful of the vExperts in the next two weeks. Uh, once we do that, we will reach out to vExperts and ask for you know probably 10 to 20 people to come in and do a light demo. Uh, but we're really excited to have that. Um, also, vExperts, keep an eye out for an email I'm going to be sending out today. Uh, we're going to be looking for vExperts who have blogged or who are looking to blog on NSX certification. And I'll go over that in more detail in the email that's coming out later today. So you're looking for bloggers on NSX certification. Right, yeah. Do we, do we have some of those? I know we have 125 people in the NSX, uh, the expert program, so I assume some of them are sort of blogging. We just have to find ones that want to blog on the certification process. Yeah, I'm looking for current articles that are there now, and then the experts who want to write about uh, certification in the future as well. So I'm looking for kind of two things. Okay, great, great. Well, all right, I don't think there's anything else in the news. Things have been pretty smooth sailing. We did have a Tim Bosman at that code on a code event up at the Internet of Things in Seattle or Oregon, Portland. Portland. I said it last time. Uh, so, Tim, I hope that went well. I know you ran into some people that do listen to the podcast, so um, I, I hope you continue to make the events. I know you're on the call. Uh, anything relevant you want to mention about the show that you thought interesting in the Internet of Things? 
Uh, no, it was, it was a fun show. They, um, we were there to support, among other things, the um, VMware Leota team uh, with their little Internet of Things agents. Um, they were doing a hackathon, and they got some good um, questions at the booth. So we're trying to um, convert a lot of these uh, booth visitors into VMware code members going forward. <laughs> Great. Well, I know that you, if you're interested in where we're going to be next in the code project, we have you know travel budget to get out and run code events throughout the year. And I know that on code.vmware.com you have an events section, so I guess people can watch there to figure out where they where you're going to be next, right? Yes. All right. Well, that's all I have for news. So let's get into VMware security and the RS, RSA conference and things that Tom Korn can tell us about this whole space. So, Tom, welcome to the show. I think this is the first time you've been on our show. I, this is my first time. Well, well, good. We are at show 379, so that's about seven or eight where, years of these where, shows. Where was we, my invite? I know. <laughs> Well, it's great to have you on. Maybe uh, you can take a couple minutes. We usually start with our guests because we're a big ecosystem of people. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, how long have you been with VMware? What's your career look like? Who are you? So in case people see you, follow you on Twitter, and see you at a conference, they, they know a little bit about you from the show, and they'll come up and say hello. Who is Tom Corn? That's an existential question uh, to ask as a first one. So I've been at VMware about three and a half years. Uh, I joined, uh, when I first joined, I was uh, sort of tasked with sort of sketching out what our overarching security strategy should look like. You know, where are the places that make sense for a company whose fundamental mission is about designing the infrastructure, the fabric of the cloud and of mobility? Where would it make sense for us to participate? What are the kinds of problems that we would add some unique, compelling value to? Um, and then out of that, um, uh, started to work on, uh, you know, how we can shape some of the directions we're doing, particularly on the uh, software-defined data center side. So I had a chance to work uh, very closely with Martin Casado, who, of course, came aboard. He had started NYSERA, so right. a lot of the early days around micro-segmentation. And then more recently, uh, been uh, built up a team of folks, and we're building a series of new products that leverage uh, NSX and ESX, so the, the software-defined data center, to, uh, to solve a range of new security problems and really designed for security teams. Uh, so at prior to VMware, I spent about six years at RSA, uh, running sort of different businesses uh, from the data security business, et cetera. And then the last three is the chief strategy officer for RSA. So I ran uh, strategy, M&A, I ran the CTO office, RSA Labs. And then uh, prior to that, I'd done a couple of startups, uh, some in the security space. but. Uh, yeah, so uh, probably about, I don't know, the last 15 years or so in the security uh, right. space. Right. Well, and that's, that's, it's an interesting for you to come over to VMware, right, uh, from RSA, which is kind of one of the leaders of security in general. Yeah. So what prompted the move? I mean, you were obviously in the executive leadership over at RSA. What did you feel like there was an opportunity to come to VMware and, you know, evangelize the security at the platform level? level? What, what brought you here? Yeah, you know, it's a good question because, uh, you know, uh, I, for myself and I'm sure a lot of other security folks, the notion of coming and doing security in a company whose core business is not security is always a, you know, there's always a question mark on that. Are you really going to have a chance to do something substantial? Um, you know, honestly, some of it is really uh, uh, 
Pat Gelsinger's either credit or detriment, I'm not sure, but uh, you'd have to ask him. But uh, Pat actually, for many years, of course, prior to VMware, was actually over on the EMC side, and I had a, a distinct you know, pleasure of, uh, of uh, uh, working. Uh, I had worked for uh, the head of RSA who had worked for Pat, but I had a chance to interact with Pat. And Pat often raised this question of, is there an opportunity to use virtualization to secure things as opposed to just securing virtualization. And at the time, there were you know, a lot of interesting potential ideas like dynamics, uh, randomly killing machines and bringing up gold images as a way of making it right. difficult for attackers to remain persistent in environments. We sort of explored a bunch. Things changed pretty dramatically after the acquisition of NYSERA and the introduction of network virtualization. And all of a sudden, that opened up a bunch of new opportunities. So um, I had come by. I had, a, again, an opportunity to meet with Martin Casado, who had started NYSERA um, and run uh, at the NSBU for an NSX for, for a while here. Um, and, uh, you know, really got a chance to meet some great people whose backgrounds really were in security. And there was, in my mind, an opportunity to solve something truly fundamental that I think would be impossible to solve, building right. another security product. Right. And uh, to do something that would be a really substantial step forward. And that intrigued me tremendously. And it went back to you know, Pat's question. Is there a way to leverage the cloud, a way to leverage virtualization to secure things, as opposed to just securing virtualization? So what has been your biggest... Um surprise coming to VMware uh, when you came. Before we transition to how the security industry, last bit about you, what do you, what, what do you think has been the most interesting thing, either culturally or technology-wise, when you actually came into VMware? Uh, that's interesting. I, um, well, warmer weather, that was good. Uh, where, where were you before? I was in Boston. Okay. Uh, actually, yeah, I grew up in Montreal, moved to Boston. This is a big Big step. And, and your family came with you, and so everybody they did. somewhat happy about being on the, on they the did. West Coast. So when everyone says it's a chilly 50-degree day, my kids are laughing. Uh, right. yeah. Well, great. It's good to get to know you a little bit and have our listeners get to know you a little bit as well. So uh, what's, what's the state of the industry right now? So maybe we should start at the high level. What do you see are the industry problems going forward, and then we'll start to drill down into what is, what is your strategy for VMware? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a paradox because in uh, one sense, the industry is, is healthy if you look at how much money is pouring into it and the growth of security and the importance of security being brought up at a board level today, right? Today, a right. uh, chief security officer presents to the board of directors at least once a year, many, many times a year, right? So this was at one time a, a plumbing issue. Oh, yes, of course, we have to secure this. Now the board of directors wants to know where is our major risks. Uh, almost every company of any size has experienced some significant security incident, whether you've read about it in the news. So on one sense, its importance is raised up. On the other hand, it's hard to look at any of the numbers, the breach numbers, and say, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, we're, we're winning or even breaking even, right? The, right. The, the growth of security spend is almost double the growth of IT overall, if you look over the last five to 10 years. And the only thing growing faster than security spend is security losses, 
right? Last year, security losses amounted, so security spend was about uh, probably about 80 million, including services last year. We lost $600 million in security breaches and incidents last year, right? That's, that today is now equaled uh, drug trafficking in terms of global um, global costs. So it's a, it, 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 you know, great, it's a high priority issue. Great, there's more money in every aspect of it, but it, it, we're just not winning. Yeah, I can, you know, I can see where the digital digitizing of your entire life, right? That now the ability to get underneath that fabric and then wreak havoc, right? Whether it be your banking system or your personal profile or stealing your identity or whatever it is, applications now are so integrated in from a digital perspective that there's just this huge opportunity now for people who want to get in engaged in that and somehow steal, right? Uh, it's just it's just blossomed with Internet of Things and everything connected. You have to worry about it. I hate having to worry about it. As an IT practitioner, right, it's the last thing that I want to do because it's just wasted time, right? Um, but at the same time, if you don't do it, you know, it has real impact to business. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of ways of looking at it. Um, uh, you know, yes, it is a cost of doing business. Um, I do think there is an opportunity... Um, to not just change security, but to look at security in a very different way. I mean, I, I love the old analogy that I buy brakes not to go slow, but to go fast. Um, security done right allows me to engage in kinds of things that could be very powerful for the business, interacting in ways with my customers, interacting more directly with partners, if I could do it in a way that was more secure. It would open the door to do certain things. But you're absolutely right. It's uh, Look, the attack surface is so wide. In a hyper-connected world, all the things, all the advantage of connectedness is also the same. You know, it's not just taken advantage by us and by our customers, and it's taken advantage of by attackers. And we now have several sophisticated groups of attackers, right? There are uh, clearly organized crime going after targets that are much more easily monetizable, things like credit cards, things like, uh, you know, et cetera, things that right. I can turn around, right. uh, credentials. Uh, you have nation states going after things like intellectual property. It's become almost a standard part of warfare now. And you have hacktivism going after, um, you know, uh, 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 divulging information, et cetera, right. the purpose. Right. And there are varying degrees of sophistication across those. But one of the most alarming trends is the weaponization of cyberspace, which means that um, there are toolkits that are now available that allow less sophisticated attackers to create much more sophisticated attacks, right, with greater velocity. Uh, um, and, and that has elevated all the boats on the attack side. So it's, a, uh, it's an extremely challenging time. And if something doesn't change, um, you know, we're really headed in the wrong direction here. Uh, something really fundamentally has to change in terms of how we're securing it. And look, it goes back to your question earlier about why I'm here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and I've seen several examples of this, right, where VMware was attacked a couple of years ago, where it was it was China, right, that came in. They wanted to make a point of what how we were behaving in the market, right? So they came in and they started stealing source code and they threatened to expose uh, the vSphere stack and source code. And it made us, 
have to respond, right, in the marketplace, right? So there's that. Then you hear the instances where people are locking down machines and then requiring you to go put your credit card in to get, you know, to reactivate a certain function of your machine. So the whole thing becomes pretty serious business, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was at RSA in March of 2011 when we were attacked, right? Uh, There was a very, very substantial attack on RSA. I can honestly say that it was one of the greatest learning experiences of all my time and security to see kind of how it happened, how it's exercised, um, what really occurs after an attack, what does a company do? I mean, you, you have a, we had the entire executive team really hold up for a month re- speaking with every customer, you know, trying to help them through this, right? Because it's not just an attack on you. In many cases, right. the attack on you is also to try to get at the customer base of that. So it's, uh, I think people underestimate how uh, serious it is. And I will say, just as a kind of anecdote, the, one of the first meetings I had outside the office with a, with a chief security officer after that breach, um, I was greeted uh, by her. Her first statement to me was, uh, welcome to the club. And uh, I, I, my response was, uh, this is really not a club that, that I really wanted to belong to. And her response to that was, there's only two kinds of companies. There's members of the club, and there are those who don't realize they're members of the club. And I think that was, uh, uh, aside from being uh, uh, comical, it's, it's actually pretty true, right? It's, it, it, you know, you'd be hard-pressed today to find an organization that has not been impacted in one shape or form. Okay, so the gloom and doom, right? This is why we're, we're engaged here, right? And why VMware thinks we have something to offer. Um, I, I think maybe I'll, I'll hit RSA and your conference experience first, and then we'll drill down to what your paper was at RSA. So you are at RSA, yeah. uh, the conference, a uh, yearly event. Uh, you had a paper there. I know VMware has keynoted various uh, components. I assume you started to talk about our strategy and our solution for how to address some of this at the platform level. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, was your question about what we presented? or was No, it, first I'll start yeah. with what was your takeaway from our say? Well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, it's, uh, and I, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, but this notion of you, you look at the, you go to the conference and the overwhelming feeling is it's amazing how big the industry is and it's amazing how small the industry is. It is so big. 43,000 people were at that conference. I mean, wow. Compared to VMworld's 23,000. Yeah. So I mean, double the size. It's, it's, it's really substantial. Like, and the second thing is, it's how small it is. Like you, if you've been in the industry for any period of time, the, the people on the practitioner side, on the vendor side or whatever, you start to see a lot of the same people. You start to get to know, you realize this is quite a community, that we've all worked together in various forms. People have you know, changed potentially positions, et cetera. But it actually is a relatively small world at some level. Um, a lot of the themes at the show, I think, were a lot of the same themes, themes we've seen before. Uh, um, a lot of uh, continued emphasis on detection and response and not just prevention. The idea that certainly an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and it would be nice if we could simply prevent. But the reality is the attack surface is so broad that we have to be able to detect things that infiltrate our environments, and we have to be able to respond to that. We can't just rely on sort of prevention and and, uh, preventing infiltration. Um, uh, Certainly, as the past years, a lot of new innovation, a lot of new companies, uh, that is very vibrant. But I think a lot of the same struggles we've seen before remain. Right. Okay. 
Great. Now, the fun stuff. I know I've spent some time with you talking about our strategy and our approach, and I found it very interesting uh, to listen to you kind of frame the problem, right? I, I, look, I, I like the firstborn analogy you used. Um, so maybe you could just take us through a little bit of VMware's perspective, how we're trying to approach the problem, what do we see the problem is, and you know, just give, give us the, the take that you, t- you told me. Well, so the, uh, you know, it's always interesting to come up with a metaphor that is uh, not a distraction, but it actually sort of helps illuminate some of the issues. And uh, uh, the one I, uh, I presented at the show was really thinking about your, your first child. Uh, uh, for, for, for those of you who, uh, who have children, uh, you know, there's this old expression that your first child's made of glass and your second of wood and your third of concrete, right? That first one, you're so worried you're going to break this thing, right? And uh, it, it's, it's not only overwhelming to go through the process of, 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 of that, that first born, but when you first bring them home, how overwhelming it is. One, I, I need to be able to, I must protect this very fragile thing. And uh, there's no owner's manual. There's no user guide. There's no... And one of the first things many new parents do, I had the same experience myself, was you immediately start to look at all the possible threats, right? You immediately start to say, you're up on WebMD, you're up on Dr. You know, Dr. Spock, and very quickly, every, every, you see every symptom in your child of everything, right? And this starts this growing number of escalations of calls to the doctor who eventually has this intervention and says, like, no more reading WebMD. No more reading Dr. Spock. Like this is, you've got to stop the insanity. You're going to drive yourself and me crazy. And you've got to focus on your child. You need to understand, you know, uh, first of all, create a safe environment, right? Uh, you, your child needs access to certain things. Certain pe- people need access to your child. Allow that. Get rid of everything else. Shrink the problem. Uh, and you know the doctors, the, the hospital does this, right? They they create, they put the children in a nursery when they're first born. Um, uh, they do that because it's that whole that what we're trying to protect is now in one place. Uh, what gets access to the babies, what looks weird, or what you have to watch for around the babies is very clear. And imagine if we distributed these babies wherever you had a spare bed anywhere in the hospital of trying to govern that kind of process. It'd be crazy. Simplify the problem. The second thing you learn very quickly in your first child is um, you can't just look at every symptom and try to map them against your child all the time. Uh, the advice I remember we got was some kids cry a lot, some kids don't. Some kids eat a lot, some kids don't. Some kids sleep a lot, some kids don't. You need to look for change. If your child is normally like this and you suddenly see change, that's when you have to start digging into problems. And again, that's a, another thing they do in, in the hospital, which is... Uh, uh, you know, diagnosis at one point in time was a checklist of questions you asked, but eventually we learned to study the patient. And that is what allows you to see early warning of things. It's what allows you to design a response that is not going to harm the patient. All of these things, I think, are very analogous to much of the issue we're facing in security. Like the biggest model for security today is looking and understanding bad. It's looking at all the threats. And I'm not suggesting that's not an important thing. We really, we need these companies that are understanding threats. But it's too vast a problem, right? We need to alter the model, I believe, so that we start with understanding good. You start with understanding what you're trying to do, the intent. And uh, 
and you're ultimately focused on what you're trying to protect. We're not trying to protect networks or servers. We're trying to protect applications and data. And, and here's where I think the biggest hurdle is for solving that problem. There's this gap that is an architectural gap between what we're trying to protect, applications and data, and where we're trying to protect it from. Controls placed on the network and on the endpoint. Now, there was a time when the two things were the same. When we had monolithic stack applications. You're right. They were the same. You're right. When applications became distributed systems, they no longer were the same. Right? Think of... Uh, you start talking serverless computing, right? Where I'm building the apps where they're just objects floating out on different servers. They're floating. I mean, even if they're... Even if... You know, not even it doesn't even have to be the new sort of containers, the composed services. Even think of apps like SAP. That's not a piece of software all running on one box. It's a bunch of pieces of software on different boxes communicating with each other. When you try to do that and you try to place controls in one place, uh, you you have a real problem aligning controls to what you're protecting, and you have a next to impossible task of creating what I would call, uh, what is normally called a least privileged environment. It's one of the first principles of, uh, of computer security is, is least privilege. Like uh, a workload, an application should get access to the things it needs to do its job and nothing else, right? That shrinks the problem. problem right? that, that makes a much better signal to noise when things stand out. That, um, that allows us to um, um, have context of is when I see something going wrong, how much should I care about it? And what are the things that I can do that won't harm the patients, going back to the original analogy? And that is really next to impossible today in our current architecture, in a traditional data center focused on networks and endpoints, right? There is, we need some abstraction that is the application to align it around to. Um, you know, if I may, uh, a metaphor on this that I that I found very helpful is, if uh, if you have a monolithic stack, it's like having a whole application in one building, and you can put guards at the front door of the building and know that they will always get a chance to take a look at anything going and touching anything in that application because it has to pass through that door, and they only have to worry about one application. But if an application is parts of buildings in different parts of the city, then none of that is true. I don't know that I, it's the only place to get at it. So I have to have them as many places as I can. And anything in that building, it's many applications sharing that building. So deciding who gets in and out or deciding what looks weird is much, much more difficult. So <clears throat> all of this for us, the journey for us about saying, could we use the cloud? Could we use virtualization to change this? Um, was a very intriguing question. And I, I will say, I find it interesting that when outside of security, anyone looking at the cloud says, how can I use these unique properties of cloud and virtualization to change the way how I do applications or deliver them? Or, when it comes to security, the question is, okay, well, how do I secure that? We should be asking the very same questions. How can I change the way I approach it? And that's what we started to do. The notion of micro-segmentation was this. We could use the virtualization layer, this overlay, to create a logical boundary around the application, right? 
no, I'm not going to get to change the servers and the networks, but I don't have to. I can use the virtualization layer to create a logical boundary. SAP is actually these 12 machines interacting in these ways. I can create a boundary around that. When I do that, I've recreated the skyscraper, that building. I now have a, 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 a single access point into it. I can align controls to it. I can say what controls and policies govern what gets into or out of anything related to SAP. I can create least privilege on that. And that reduces um, the surface. Yes? This is Edward. Um, what you're talking about it sounds really great in a really nice ivory tower discussion, but I have yet to see that discussion in the real world. There's a flaw in that discussion, and that is, is that today no one defines the application. Absolutely no one. I can go into any number of major enterprises, and all they say is my application is the web servers, and they don't know about all the underlying bits, and there's lots of underlying bits. So yeah. defining the application, I've been struggling with getting people to do that for since virtualization began because back then it really was still about the application and not the virtual machine. Yeah. When I do data protection, I have to data protect the application not the virtual machines. I could care less about the virtual machines. In our modern containerized world, I could care less about the containers because I can recreate them at will. So now it becomes about how do you define the application when you start talking about that. So putting boundaries around things with microsegmentation is great. Microsegmentation has its uses, but if I cannot define that application, I have no idea what those boundaries are. And so far, people are setting up false boundaries. Yeah, so I think you've raised a really critical point, right? I think it's hard for anyone to argue the benefits of least privilege and that approach. What they would argue is, well, how realistic is it to be able to do this, right? I need to understand the application. The application changes. And even well, if you were – here's another one that you, mentioned, that you didn't mention, which is even if I define the boundary of the application, there's still stuff that gets in and out. Right? I have shared services. I have all kinds of things. Actually, VMware solved that problem years ago. They actually did. It's just a redheaded stepchild. You guys have a tool built into your suite that everybody gets with Enterprise Plus that most people use because it's cool to look at. It's no longer valid of working on 6.5, but it works on 6.0 and earlier. Yet, there's no way to get the data out of it except visually. Actually, I just found a way to do it, but it's unsupported. But the problem is, is you guys have had this capability for years, but you're not using it, not even in your own tool suites. And because you're not using it in your own tool suites, you have horrible integration, and you still have this problem, even though you've been able to solve it since, um, basically since Infrastructure Navigator became about. That tool alone can do exactly what we're talking about. It can tell me the boundaries. It can tell me who's calling who. It can even tell me the services it's using, the ports that it's using, and everything like that without touching the network. Yeah. That's so, powerful. Uh, and V-Realize yeah. okay. Network, and, and it won't do, the VRNI won't even go to that level of detail because it only works with a certain subset of your infrastructure, not all of it. So you need yeah. both. Yeah. But once I have so, that information, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not as familiar with that uh, particular tool or technology. I, I actually, I'm going to look it up actually uh, when I get back to the office. What I will say is this. Here, here's how people are using this today. 
Um, because uh, there are today uh, probably on the order of 2,500 to 3,000 customers using NSX network virtualization today, and uh, a probably the biggest chunk of them driven by this microsegmentation use case. Um, they're certainly not trying to boil the ocean. What I don't see in customers is I've microsegmented all of my applications. What I have seen is customers take, you know, a few of their more critical applications or a, a, a regulatory scope. I've actually worked closely with one client where the it was a PCI scope and it was about scope reduction because an auditor would come in and said, given the way things are segmented, basically everything is in scope. Uh, and it was looking at it from a scope reduction perspective. Uh, in terms of the statement that, you know, look, I, I don't know that I understand my applications beyond my web servers. Uh, two things. Uh, one, we, we now have far greater visibility and, and analytics to be able to help answer that question. Um, the fact that as the network virtualization fabric allows us to be able to see things across the base and with tools like uh, VRNI, for example, through the acquisition of Arkin, that has started to, get, to raise the level of visibility to understand those things. And what we've found is sitting down with the team that, uh, that ultimately is you know, staying up at night because that is one of their more critical applications they're worried about. And being able to sit, uh, to sit down with the application team and look at those tools has given us an ability to create some boundaries with lesser privilege around them and then align some controls to that. And uh, there's no getting around. There's actually a pretty substantial number of folks that are doing that. What I'm encouraged by is that the movement to DevOps models and containers actually creates a much more declarative model about the purpose of machines. However short life they have or however dynamic they are, you now have manifests that are describing the components that are interacting together. And it opens the door for a model where we have a greater understanding and a much more declarative model of what an application is. And I think it opens the door uh, to, to go down this path. The, the last thing I'll say on it is, um, look, it's a journey. We're going to have to increasingly get better at this. But I don't see any other way around it. Like, uh, I can't see a security model that will work and we will be able to completely remain ignorant of what our applications do. I think we're going to have to continue to move down that path, um, uh, you know, in, in order to be able to kind of solve this problem. Well, I mean, when you start talking about that way, you're right. But most people, even today in those highly regulated industries and so forth, they're defining the application as, a, as not the full application. They still think, hey, let me protect my database servers. The database servers themselves are the application. Well, you're right. in one you're sense right. they are, but they're not. So we're still doing it by port group. We're still doing it by virtual uh, virtual distributed switch in the VMware land or VXLAN. We're still doing it by these gross measures of resource pools and or that, but that's actually only a, right now only surrounding a part of our application, not the entire application. Because our applications yeah. are growing well, so fast that people don't even know what, what they're missing. They don't even know what they don't know. And no tool yeah. I've seen today gives me that information except for, I mean, I, if I'm using VDSs and VXLANs and, and the full power of NSX, that's great. 
But what I miss is everything on a, on a regular VSS, which part of my application may be sitting out there because of other of historical need. I may have I'm, a different form of virtual switch involved. Again, I miss that because I can't set a construct around it inside of our current environment. And we're still thinking constructs of, of things that aren't really the application. Yeah, so a, a couple quick thoughts. One is, uh, I think you're right. The problem with that model is that we create segments that commingle components from many applications in every segment. Right? I put my databases together, my app servers, my web servers, my application gateways, and uh, that creates many problems. One, it does nothing to prevent lateral movement for an attacker. I get in and I hit one web server, I have freedom of movement to all the web servers, and then I use the application itself to hop across those segments. It also creates enormous policy complexity for security, because when you put a firewall, for example, in front of a group of web servers or between web servers and app servers, um, I have to have the policies for every possible application that's communicating. So I end up with 30,000 rules. And, and an even worse one is I have a bunch of firewalls in the environment, and if I hit more than one of them, my effective policy is the policy of every firewall that I hit and the order that I hit depending on the route that I took, and it becomes an intractably complicated problem. Um, oh, no, that's, I will why, say this. that's why micro-segmentation is great. I set up an edge and boom, anything inside that ed, that, that's inside that yeah. security zone. I say you can't talk to each other, or only you and you and you can talk to over this port. I love it. I'm just saying it's still a little bit limited, and the application is still using constructs that are not application-based. Until yeah. we so, look at the application as a whole, we're still missing parts of it. Right. So. Right now, I've been working with my team on something new that's coming out this summer that I'm pretty excited about that gets to the heart of this, which is some technology that is uh, it's, it's, it's an application control, a detection and response solution that leverages ES, not just NSX, but ESX. Um, and we're doing some work to tap into the provisioning systems, uh, not just VRA, but sort of Puppet, Jenkins, Maven, to be able to look at what is the intended state, what is the intended, um, you know, let's look at what the application teams have been using to provision in these things, to look at that to get a clearer understanding of what was intended. And then to be able to um, do a sort of an attestation, if you will, real-time attestation at load and runtime against the intended state. The idea of being able to know that, look, if anyone is, uh, messing with any of the operating systems associated with this. If anyone is um, uh, introducing uh, uh, scripts, etc., that are altering, introducing new processes or altering how processes are interacting across machines, it will become immediately apparent. And we're leveraging a lot of the unique qualities of virtualization, um, being able to use the hypervisor kernel, the host itself, to be able to not only protect the integrity of the manifest, if you will, but also the attestation service, and to use ESX and NSX so that you have a means of a more uh, more effectively automating response. It's been a project uh, codenamed Goldilocks, uh, and it's going to be coming out as a as a, a as some new technology uh, uh, later this summer, and I think it will add another step forward. There's there's no silver bullets, uh, as you know, on any of these things, but I think this could be. 
we're very excited about this because I think this could be a a, a a meaningful step forward, and and that is Hello? starting to get to really tangible. We're we're now at a point where we're starting to uh, to do beta on 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 that technology. So, there, I think there's a number of things coming down the pike that I think will continue to help in this problem. Great. I did mute everybody for just a second, just housekeeping here to try to get rid of the, the person that was claiming hello. Um, so if you have a question, I did I did unmute everyone, I think. Except one you didn't unmute Tony. <laughs> yes, exactly, mute Tony, right. Um, well, all right, good. I have a question. I know that I, I, I love drilling down. It's great. Uh, that's why we're here. It's a community podcast. Community people come on, and it's great to have people back on answer, asking questions. It's a show, show of respect, so good. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll pop up a little bit higher in that cloud computing AWS. I always like to talk a little bit about AWS because we are getting in the AWS business. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about cloud cyber hygiene, right? Um, as we start to reach out into have true hybrid cloud environments now, I mean, micro-segmentation, sitting on top of NSX, what do you feel about that? Is this going to make the problem bigger as I start doing true hybrid cloud? Or with a fabric with Microsoft segmentation, I should be fine. Where are we going in this space? So, again, I'm, I'm very optimistic that uh, uh, some of the moves to the public cloud, particularly the software example we're doing on AWS, has huge security upside. I don't think all of it comes for free, meaning you don't just go up there and suddenly you're more secure. Uh, for many organizations, right, um, when you talk about protecting the underlying machine, for example, or even the hypervisor itself, uh, some of the move to the public cloud can be a benefit because Amazon, or, for example, is going to have a security team that's looking after that that in many cases could be more uh, meaningful or sophisticated than what uh, a smaller organization might have internally. Uh, but, of course, they're not necessarily looking at the application above. To that, they would say, look, to the tenant, that's your issue. Um, so, but again, I think the it is a very unique opportunity, once again, going back to the earlier point, to to leverage the cloud, to leverage virtualization, to rethink some of these security problems. And I think a lot of the what we've just discussed applies there. So a lot of the work that we're doing around micro-segmentation, a lot of the work we're doing around uh, Project Goldilocks and a lot of this application control, detection and response, uh, the work that we're doing around encryption, I think will yield very, very big benefits to uh, the stuff that people are doing on, in the cloud, and particularly the stuff that we're doing uh, you know, VMware Cloud on AWS. So all of these things I'm talking about are going to be built into that fabric. That was going to be my next question. Is where, from a strategy perspective, how are we bundling this into our products? Is this just, you know, you're a, you're SVP, you have a team underneath you. Are you basically building the technology to integrate into the current NSX, vSAN, vSphere, compute uh, infrastructure, hybrid cloud infrastructure, or do you see VMware actually, you know, showing up with security offerings as well? Um, well, it's a it's it's a mix of both in the sense that. Uh, uh, the only time we're going to start to get you know, the, all the work that I'm doing around building new technologies, there's things that uh, can uniquely take advantage of vSphere, VSX, and, of NS, you know, and, and NSX, right? So it's about things that, you know, uh, I'm not trying to do things that, you know, could be done anywhere from a security vendor or whatever. I'm trying to do things that really 
we're, we're really in a unique position to solve, and we can really add something to the industry that you really couldn't do otherwise. So uh, in that sense, any, everything we're doing is sort of built in, so to speak. Um, now, some of these will be offering, some of these things are, are, are things that become sort of part of uh, what people are consuming. Some of these things might be add-ons because not everyone sort of uh, uh, needs certain level of sophistication. But the, the design philosophy is how do I make this uh, simple and how do I really take advantage of the virtual fabric? In other words, I'm not designing things that are, uh, you know, running as guest agents inside the, the guest. I'm trying to design things that take advantage of the fact that, you know, you can leverage the protection of the hypervisor kernel, the host itself, to be able to have a trusted position in which to either monitor something or, or control something, right? That's a, I've talked about this in the past. That in fact, that's where the, originally where the name Goldilocks came from was the notion that today you make a trade-off between doing security in the endpoint, in the, in the guest, or doing security on the network. And there's a trade-off between context and isolation. When you do it in the in software, uh, you have a lot of context. You're sitting in the guest, you see the application, you see the user, you see someone messing with configuration, but you have no isolation. You're sitting in the same trust domain as the attacker. Right. And so endpoint technology is often turned off, manipulated, right? Lied to. Yep. You can do security on the network. It's the opposite. You actually are sitting in a very trusted position, but you lack the um, context. You have to reverse engineer it. So. Clever companies like Palo Alto Networks and, and others doing next-gen firewalls um, reverse engineer some of that uh, to be able to get the context. But it's always this trade-off. We believe there's a new layer to do security, leveraging the host, leveraging the hypervisor kernel that does have context, but is also a separate trust domain. It is also not just addressable that someone could compromise a guest and just move laterally to it. The work that we're doing with distributed firewall takes advantage of this. The work that we're doing with Goldilocks takes advantage of this. The stuff that we're doing around encryption is going to take advantage of this. So it's a, it's a, a really interesting place to be able to do security that benefits from both of it. And that's, that's it's one of the reasons we started to coin this phrase, the, the Goldilocks. Not too hot, not too cold, just right. Okay, up-leveling a little bit. Um, what's your impression of VMware taking this whole uh, space Seriously now, obviously they brought you in from RSA. Uh, what's your impression of Pat and our intention to continue investing in, in security and moving it forward? So Pat, Pat is very serious about this, but it's not just Pat, it's the whole executive team. It's uh, Rajiv uh, uh, Ramaswamy, it's Raghu Raghuram, it's Sanjay Poonin, who actually came also from a security background. It's uh, uh, very, very interested folks. And I think we all, this isn't about competing with the, you know, the major security vendors and startup. This is about solving some problems at an infrastructure level, at an architectural level, that will raise all boats. Uh, this isn't about us becoming a security company. But if we solve these problems intelligently, we very well could become the most important company in security. Because I do think some of these things are just not solvable by just adding another security product into the system. Okay. We have a question online that I think someone has been trying to get answer, so um, we'll Hello? pause here and see if... Yes. Hi. Hi. Do you have, do you have a question? 
Yeah, this this is this is something else. This is a prank or something. Can I put my finger in your ass? Yeah. Okay, we'll mute him. We do get that on a, on an open chat. Well, I have a question. I mean, it's more of okay. a question. Uh, it's more of a statement to follow along. I mean, you're right. You can't invent anything, any new security product, and just have it be adopted overnight. But you got VMware is in a unique situation across the entire um, product line, and not just NSX and so forth. And that you can actually start trying to change mindset, and that's actually going to be the hardest thing to do. You need to be I, able to change that mindset from the let's think about this as a virtual form of physical to let's think about this as just applications and yeah, I, applications I, I, and data, and that mindset has to change before security is even going to budge. Virtualization folks were getting there. People working in the container world are already there, but the security teams are nowhere close to being there. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. Look, it is a shift in model. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I spend uh, a lot of my time out with many of our clients, particularly they roll me out with obviously the security team. Um, I think there's a hunger. I think there's a general acknowledgement that we're not going to solve this by just keep adding more and more just security products dumped into this to address each new threat or type of approach, right? That there is a hunger for a way of looking at this a bit more architecturally. Um, clearly, they have a lot of the questions that surfaced before. How do I do this? How do I get the visibility to understand this? I think there's a general acceptance that security is mostly aligned with infrastructure and that we're going to have to start aligning more with application teams as we do this. But we've got to do it in a way that uh, takes into account the velocity um, of the new breed of applications. Application teams are also frustrated. They're frustrated in the new, as we get to these new forms, whether it's composed services, et cetera, um, they don't want to be slowed down with the same you know, review process that took many uh, long periods of time every time they're going to either roll out something new or change something, particularly in an environment where some new applications, as they roll out quickly, they change quickly, they have short lifespans. I think while I agree that it is a change in model and every change comes, not, you know, it doesn't happen overnight or change easily, but I think on the infrastructure team, the application team and the security team, there's a hunger to do this. And there's a, uh, I, so I think there's, for the maybe for the first time I've seen, a willingness to sort of look at some new approaches and, uh, and make some changes here. And look, the numbers of, uh, even just of NSX and micro-segmentation, I think they're sort of suggesting this is not just a, a small niche. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, we're now in the, thousands and thousands of, uh, of companies doing this. This is not, this is not, this, this is no longer the sort of early adopter pieces. It's still early stage, no doubt. But I think there's a willingness to, to change. Great. 
Great, great topic. Um, one of the things that I always try to do is how do people engage in a dialogue with you? I know you, you're on Twitter now. You've been uh, gaining followers. So I guess people can you, – you, you respond to Twitter on a daily basis, I take it. I do. So, uh, yeah, at the, sort of on, at the real Tom Corn. Because Tom Corn was taken, I still have to meet this Tom Corn, but I'll be the real Tom Corn. Uh, um, so I am trying to engage in more of a dialogue uh, and uh, uh, you know talk a little bit about some of the not just the new things from VMware, but what I'm seeing just in the industry in general. Are there more industry events besides the RSA conference, uh, or do you get out on the road and engage also, or just just the RSA conferences where you go because that's where we go. Well, it's a big one. There's obviously events like Black Hat uh, and others that are around. And, you know, now it's not just going to traditional security conferences. Even VMworld is now starting to get more and more of a, of a security component. Uh, again, it's still early days, but that's, it's starting to change. Uh, you're starting to see uh, more and more different audiences who, are, audiences who are saying, how could we leverage the cloud for a variety of things we're starting to see show up to those places. Do you guys have a blog yet around security? So there's uh, some blogs that are, uh, yes, the short answer is yes. Uh, most of those are either sort of under the NSX area or under the AirWatch area around mobility. But um, we'll be uh, rolling out some, uh, some more things, and I'm going to try to uh, get some sort of longer thoughts on. And of course, uh, we try whenever we can to record the sessions that we're doing at conferences. For example, the uh, the presentation I did at the RSA conference, we've actually posted up on YouTube, so folks who didn't have an opportunity to go can can watch that. Um, and we have uh, uh, we've posted uh, some of the sessions from VMworld, uh, VMworld as well, where I did some live demos of some of the new technology that we're working on, and we're going to try to do more and more of that. That's fantastic. Well, I know that uh, we we're really lucky to have you championing the. You're our chief guy when it comes to security. Um, you're getting yourself out. You're putting yourself out uh, to take the questions and try to trying to respond. It is a big space, yeah. right? I mean, there's never, you know, and it will always be changing, right? So you'll always have a certain amount of uh, good conversation around where do we go next when it comes to security. But I appreciate you doing it, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast and putting yourself out here and, and answering questions. So thanks a lot for being here, Tom. Appreciate it. Give uh, at the real Tom Corn a follow. I know he's been on on, on social every day. Uh, and we've been paying attention to them because we think it's it's going to be important. We think it is going to be a fabric that hits all of our products. And uh, I think I don't think that we have been that serious about it over the last 10 years that I've been at VMware until now. So it's great to have you on board. It's great to have these solutions weaving into our product. So thanks for being here. Tommy Berry, yeah. who do we have next week? Next week we have Paul Fizem, who's the VP and GM of Cloud Native Apps at so, VMware. Cloud Native Apps next week. I know they're doing a new release of Photon, so I think he's going to be here talking about that and what does it mean, uh, Docker, you know, Cloud Native Apps. Um, so he'll be on the show next week, so uh, we'll be again here. Thanks for everybody showing up and being part of the call. As usual, we're going to try to see if we can invite some people to come on and you know, ask our guests questions as opposed to me just doing a lightweight interview. Um, we want to get back to our roots of the Community Roundtable podcast where community members 
can show up and be on call for a given topic, and we'll give you the topic ahead of time. So if you're interested in coming in on a Wednesday and being part of the interview dialogue, uh, reach out to Tommy or myself, and we'll get you the agendas and get you the invites early so that you can come on and get some, get some good questions from our community members themselves. Yep. So um, thanks again for being here, and we'll see you again next week.